right, how's it going, good people? This is your man, Kyle Means. I know it's been a while, but we're back at it. Uh, back off of uh, our little hiatus we had over the holidays and everything. But uh, we're back with it. We are RegalRadio.com. We're on Anchor. And uh, War Media Empire continues on. And this is the All 32 Podcast, actually. Uh, doing another two-for-one deal. All 32 and bare necessities combined into one. But um, we're starting off with the All 32 session. And, you know, as as you hopefully remember, uh, this is where we run down uh, the you know the the highlights and everything run throughout the the whole NFL and uh you know give you all of our takes on the on the major happenings that's going on in the league and uh you know rank sort of ranking the teams and ranking the stories and developments that happen a lot across the NFL but um you know at, at this point in time given the the point we are in the season we are going to focus a little bit more I think, you know, in our last episode, you, you, we uh, started to let y'all know about that. You know, focusing more on the playoff teams, the, the playoff-worthy teams that are fighting for those uh, spots that are available, those precious spots in the NFC and AFC. There's only so many to go around, and there's still a, quite a bit of the, the league left that are fighting for the spots. Even those Bears of ours are still alive. And uh, like I said, we'll definitely get into that later. But uh, as of now, you know, it's it's still a lot of competition that's going on. It's been a pretty pretty interesting couple of weeks that have passed us since we last left, left you. And I think that's going to reflect in uh, the rankings that my man Ryan put together this week. You can read them now on WeAreRegalRadio.com, uh, the latest power rankings, our third edition of those quarterly that we do after every month of the NFL season. And, uh, you know, without without further ado, let's bring on our man, Ryan. He's on the line. And, uh, you know, Ryan, how you doing, man? Uh, doing pretty good, Kyle. It's, uh, you know, interesting in Chicago with football. It's interesting just in general when you look league-wide. And we're getting down to the end. And it seems like for a lot of teams, they're going to have to fight it out for all 17 weeks when normally some teams get to kind of throttle down for the playoffs and try to get or throttle down in the regular season to get ready for the playoffs and uh it won't be it'll be another weekend of non-disappointing football i think and even with uh, the playoff seating because of how many uh big games are coming up and how close these races are and then of course uh this past weekend the power rankings uh, definitely were altered a little bit by some of these big time matchups that we saw like the saints and uh, the 49ers. So really uh, a lot of parody running the NFL right now. I think we kind of know who the teams are that really are going to be playoff uh, bound and who are the teams that are not going to be, but even still any week, it seems like anybody can go down anywhere. Yeah. And, I think a lot of it has to do with with the scheduling because, you know, the NFL has done a good job of, you know, loading up important matchups for this back end of the, of the schedule, whether you have, you know, uh, important, important divisional matchups 
or even just in, in within the conference or even across conference, you're seeing good teams, you know, multiple games each week where good teams are matching up against each other and, and you know, really doing a lot to affect the playoff races and affecting things like, you know, uh, once again, our power rankings, which, you know, nobody's thinking about really in the grand scheme of things. But I know over the past, the 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 rankings that you that we just put out this week were quite different from the ones that we put out at the end of October, the beginning of November. But and I think the consistency, the one consistency, has been uh, really the play of Baltimore, and you know, as, as we're, we're going to look, we're going to go right right down the line at the latest rankings and sort of look at these teams and how they've done in the recent weeks that we've been off and look at what they got going, coming up this week. And <clears throat> of course, you know, the easy, really the easy pick at number one right now, the, the, the team that's clearly playing the best in the league is Baltimore. And they actually kick off this week uh, with the Jets on Thursday night football. So we'll get to see them right away. Uh, there has been some talk about, uh, you know, uh, some, some issues with the, the quad of, of Lamar Jackson, and you know, to talk about maybe he could be held out this week. But uh, as it, uh, as it's gone forth, he's been uh, in practice. He's been uh, he's been active and in practice, and he uh, looks to be playing on Thursday night. So uh, we should see him, and hopefully, you know. Uh, nothing bad happens to him. At least, you know, you definitely wouldn't want to see that on a pure entertainment level, at, uh, given what he's been uh, providing this year, some amazing stuff. And, uh, you know, on, on an overall competitive level, too, you know, given what Baltimore has done to set the standard in the AFC right now, it, it really sucked to see him go down in any way, uh, especially to the Jets. You know, that'd be a waste. But, uh, you know, I, I think looking looking at this week, you know, you're probably looking at another win for Baltimore if everything goes right. But uh, you know, as we look at this first team atop the ranking, you know, what what do you think about Baltimore right now, and what do you think has, you know, what has impressed you the most about them as they have uh, played in this past month, Ryan? Well, I think that they are clearly the best team in football in terms of how they're playing. And it's really just an overall sort of, uh, you know, machine because you have it from the coaching staff. And, uh, you know, what's impressed me has been this coaching staff and what they've done with both sides of the football. I mean, they play really smart and their game plans, their schemes are terrific. And then you look at what the players have done and they've been exceptional on really both sides of the ball where they're consistently a threat on the defensive side. The offense speaks for itself with what Lamar has done on the ground and their entire ground game is on a historic pace, but they can still throw the football and they can put up points and they do and they put up a lot of points. So I think probably the thing that impresses me the most about Baltimore in this stretch has been when Lamar maybe has had, you know, just okay games or hasn't made big time plays, the rest of the team really picks up around him. And 
they obviously need Lamar, and he's really the heart and soul of any chance that they have at a Super Bowl. He has to play great. But it seems like it's a full team effort. It's not just a team propped up by Lamar. It's a team that's pretty talented, that's playing well, and they just need their quarterback to take them the rest of the way. Yeah, definitely. They they've been on a on a great roll, and just I, I looking at their schedule since they played, you know, outside of playing Cincinnati, the the objectively worst team in the league. They played them twice since uh, uh, October 13th. Beyond, outside of those games, they beat the Seahawks, the Patriots, the Texans, the Rams, and the 49ers. Those are all teams that are very active in the playoff hunt. And likely all those teams, except the, the Rams are probably the only team among that group that may be on the outside looking in when we, when we get to January. But even they still have a chance. And, you know, that's just a crazy schedule to go through and to win all those games. It's just amazing. It it puts them at 11 and 2 overall. And like we said, they're, uh, you know, top of. uh, Oh, and I had to scroll down some more. They beat the Bills too last week. So that's, that's another team that's likely in the playoffs. And so that's, as I said, just an amazing, amazing run. Like we said, they have the Jets uh, Thursday, which is tonight. We are recording on early Thursday. And, um, you know, the Browns and the Steelers to end the season. But, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, like I said, 11-2 and two now, they're likely going to be, you know, not number one, at least probably in the top three by the end of the season. Uh, when we have our final rankings, probably before the playoffs, and you know they they should have at least a home game in the playoffs. It's it's really just setting up for everything for them to have a chance to really, uh, you know, for the AFC to truly go through them. And you know what, you know, I think uh, uh, the impressive thing for me, I think, with them is that their defense, because when we were looking at them earlier in the season. It was sort of more about you know that offense and how they got they got ahead of teams and uh, you know Jackson you know all year he's been doing his thing but the defense was sort of lagging. They had that one game with you know uh, with Cleveland that you know jumped out and gave up forty to them and it was like you know what's the defense about? But since then you know they've had some great performances. You know that they. Only gave up seven to the Texans, six to the Rams, and they, you know, went head to toe with you no know, head head to toe, head, you know, toe to toe, I should say, in the last two weeks with the 49ers in the in the Bills. You know, what do you think about how that defense has sort of evolved? They uh, picked up, you know, we know they picked up Peters at the midway point of the season. That seemed to have had a great impact, and this seems to be closer to. You know that those old type of Ravens teams that we've seen in the past, where the defense carried the carried the franchise, but as but now you have not only a, a solid defense but an awesome offense as well. Yeah, I, I think when we have to sometimes, I think kind of go back to the beginning, like well before the season, and go back all the way to training camp. 
And I think everyone kind of expected Lamar to take a step forward, but they just didn't know how far of a step forward because he showed, you know, solid enough skills as a passer where you felt he could get a lot better in that area. And he probably will with more experience. And then you saw how just dynamic he was as a rusher, but he wasn't doing quite what he was doing now uh back in his rookie season we saw flashes of it but now it's like almost hit a you know a ridiculous superstar type level so coming into the season i think everyone looked at the ravens as kind of the third best team in the afc north behind the steelers and the browns because the browns were getting all types of love with the talent that they had on their roster but with the ravens they had a lot of talent it was just you felt that maybe they didn't have enough offensively and enough as a pass rushing unit defensively because they their secondary was supposed to be extremely talented and be one of the best secondaries in the league. And could they manufacture enough pressure and then could they manufacture enough offense? And we saw early in the season, the offense was brilliant and the defense, you know, came out okay, but it's really when that Marcus Peters trade happened that that secondary finally started becoming that top secondary that we thought they would be coming into the year. And that has helped everything because their defensive coordinator, as, as well as John Harbaugh, they uh, do a tremendous job of disguising what they do and they bring a lot of pressure. So they don't really necessarily need a dominant pass rusher. And that's why they let, uh, uh, you know, their famed uh pass rusher go to Arizona who's escaping my mind all of a sudden um, but uh, you know he went over to uh, you know who I'm talking about the ex-Ravens Terrell Suggs yes yeah, yeah. so Terrell Suggs leaves. that's why they didn't bring back Terrell Suggs because they felt that they could manufacture their pressure as long as their secondary could hold up in man and they could go across the board and match up with tight ends down to the tiniest, fastest receiver, they could get enough pass rush. And we're starting to see that, especially with the Peters trade. And then when you have an offense that controls the ball like they do, it really puts pressure on an offense to capitalize on every single drive. And I think that that's helping this defense out significantly as well. Yeah. Yeah. Before we move on from them, what do you think about them sort of uh, publicizing this whole thing about teams going after you know quote unquote going after Jackson's legs you know given that you know there's only so many ways you can really hit quarterbacks nowadays anyway even out the pocket and you know Jackson you know brings some particular challenges when trying to tackle him but you know do you you think that's some sportsmanship trying to trying to influence the refs or, you know, or do you think they're really worried about him? Uh, I think it's more gamesmanship, if anything. It's sort of, you know, I would think as a defender, you know, you don't go out there and you don't try to hurt somebody. But like you said, how the rules are kind of set up, when Lamar's out there as a runner, you don't want to hit him high and around the head area. That's definitely going to bring in a flag. And if you were to go after the leg area, it maybe influences him not to run if he's getting cut there constantly. And that's been the biggest issue because you can maybe live with Lamar as a pocket passer and still find a way to slow down that offense, even though they have a great run game with Mark Ingram. 
even without Lamar Jackson. But what really sets this thing in overdrive is you cannot stop his legs. And that means if you have to commit so much attention to that, there's no way you can stop the passing game too. And when the play action's going, it's over. So that's why uh, to me, as a defense, if you're a defensive squad, you don't want to hurt anybody, but you also want to be smart and you want to try to influence the game. So I would certainly be going for the legs as well. And that seems to be the smart way of going at it because you're going to, that's less likely to get a penalty. Yeah, definitely. definitely. It's, it's just, it's a heck of a time trying to corral that young man right now. Cause, you know, he's, he's just so great outside the pocket that's, really containing him in the pocket, you know, few teams have the, you know, really have the the fronts, the front four or front seven to be able to do that. And But we've seen in the, in the last couple of weeks, you know, some challenges pop up with him to uh, two uh, pretty good defensive teams in the, uh, you know, the Bills and, and San Francisco. And when we look at San Francisco, they uh ranked pretty high on our power rankings and they actually ranked three. They went last week against our number two team, the Saints, and put together a quite unexpected effort, you would think, from those two teams. 48-46 win on behalf of San Francisco down in in New Orleans in the Superdome. Uh, People calling it the game of the year. Uh, pretty, you know, it, it was a pretty awesome game. I, I watched mostly the replay because we didn't get to see it live here in Chicago, unfortunately. But I got to see the replay on the NFL Network later this week, and it was it was a pretty fun game. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll just get your thoughts on that game first off, and on those two teams. I think coming out of that game, you could, you know. Maybe you could give the edge now to San Francisco because they did pull out the victory. But I think you could still probably have those two teams at at two and three, you know, in any order and really not have a problem. You know, it it seems basically that those are the two best teams in the NFC right now. Yeah, going into that matchup, I, I kind of went Saints slightly ahead of the Niners. Uh, it was really just a flip of the coin because the Niners have been so impressive this year. It's it's really not, you know, a matter of resume. It's kind of just, you know, heads or tails. And uh, that's kind of how the game went. It came down to a final field goal and uh, a great play by George Kittle. So, yeah, you could argue that the Saints are the number two team. You could argue that the Niners are the number two team. I don't know if you can be wrong really either way, maybe because of the win-loss if you want to crudely look at it. But certainly the impact of that game will be felt later on when it comes to the playoffs now that no matter what, unless New Orleans wins out and San Francisco loses out, there's just no way that the – Saints are going to be able to get a seed higher than the Niners because they own the tie break. And that uh, could definitely matter when it comes to a playoff matchup between the two because it's certainly a different Saints squad. And they have the graphic in the game. Uh, They showed the Saints record at home in the playoffs as well as their record on the road in the playoffs. And they did the same thing for the Niners. So for both teams, much, much better at home and significantly worse on the road. 
They both had a losing record on the road in their, I believe it was all time, but it might have been since uh, the 2000s. They both had a losing record on the road, both had a winning record at home. So it's a big difference for both of these teams. Yeah, definitely. And when you look at at the playoff uh, standings, uh, actually, the Saints uh, go down to the wild card uh, seeds. You know, given that they lost that, you know, 49 of course, are the number one seed at 11 and two. And uh, the Packers are right now at number two at 10 and three, tied with the Saints. Uh, so they got the, you know, Saints right now at the third seed. And that would, you know, give them a home game in the wild card round. But, you know, they'd be in the wild card round. And, uh, you know, just a bunch of different path through the playoffs. For them, if, if that if things hold up that way, yeah, it's going to be uh, you know the last three weeks of the season. There's a lot of top seeds that are still up for grabs. Usually, you can kind of have the number one seed figured out by now, and you're kind of figuring out who's the other team trying to get a buy. But everything's up for grabs. I mean, in the NFC West, even though the Niners are the number one seed they can still fall all the way to number five if they lose to the Seahawks when they play later on this year. And imagine going from one seed to five seed or vice versa. If you're the five seed, you go to number one. So there is just so much that needs to be figured out. And obviously if the Seattle Seahawks beat the Niners, the Saints have the tie break over the Seahawks. So that's their path to getting back to number one. They would obviously have to win out the rest of the way. But uh, there's so many weird tie breaks and so many different scenarios. Uh, it's been just parody filled this year, and we're seeing it play out the last few weeks of the season with uh, all these uh, tie breaks, like I said, coming down for these seedings in the playoffs. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And you know, when you look at the look at the upcoming schedule, look at what's going on this week. The Niners are hosting the Falcons, which. Uh, it's proven in the last few weeks not to be as cupcake of a team as they started out to be this season. And um, like you and you mentioned before, they play uh, the you know Seahawks to, to end the season in the final week, but they also host the Rams next week on Saturday on the 21st. So that's going to be pretty interesting there. Uh, yeah, really, a, a, like I say, the NFL is making sure that these games count at the end of the season. So it's a lot of entertainment for us as fans, but a lot of eggshells that these teams are going to be walking over uh, as as uh, they try to complete these seasons. And uh, looking at the this is in New Orleans uh, this week, they have the Colts on Monday night. So, uh, you know, an interesting, interesting matchup there, I guess, between – two teams who are both still in the hunt on their side, but I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll probably say that the 49ers may have a tougher draw this week, given what we know the Falcons can do offensively and the way that they've been playing them in, in the past few weeks has definitely been better than what the Colts have been doing. They sort of, the Colts have sort of died down from their good start. But uh, looking at, uh, Let's, let's keep going down our rankings and uh, look at the top five. That's uh, how that plays out. Seattle, uh, again, 
the NFC West representing is at number four, and Houston at number five. I mean, uh, you know, I don't think they're going to hold up at that high, probably my next rankings. But uh, if you look at Seattle uh, last, you know, last week they, uh, you know, had the uh, loss to the Rams, big loss, 28-12 to on Sunday Night Football. And, you know, that's, you know, well, how do you think that affects that team, that loss at that time? Because, you know, it seemed like the Rams did are doing what they have to do, of course, to stay alive. But uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have thought that they would have, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't have thought them to be able to handle the Seahawks like that, like they did. Yeah, you know, I think Chris Collinsworth really summarized it well. I mean, this Seahawks team, they are just not built to play in a high-scoring affair or up-and-down offense. I mean, they have to come out, and they have to start fast. They have to get some early stops. The offense has to try to get control uh, with the run game and some big plays from Russell Wilson, get on the board early, take control of the game. That's the way that they win. That's their best chance of winning. That's why they've been so great on the road this year because that formula, when it works, that works great on the road. Because if you try to take control of game, it's hard for teams to get in a rhythm. It's hard for teams to get up and down, especially if that's something that they want to do. And so, to me, with how much leadership they have, how great Pete Carroll is, they're going to rebound fine from this loss. I don't think it's going to hurt them. If anything, it might be a galvanizing force, but certainly I think Pete Carroll is, is chirping in everyone's ear saying, this is what we got to do guys. I mean, at all, we have to start fast. We cannot come out slow. Like we did against the Rams. It doesn't matter what the environment is. doesn't matter what the reason doesn't matter anything. You've got to be able to come out, get control of the game. Cause if this thing starts going into the twenties, thirties, I mean, we're going to be in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, there's some definitely some it's a team we know that has depended a lot on a certain on you know their quarterback, of course, Russell Wilson. You know, they have a couple of you know key players that have been around for a while, like Lockett, you know, the wide receiver, but they're dealing with a lot of young players and they you know they took a they took a potential hit there with of a sharp penny. Getting in when uh, coming out of that game early, I don't know if it what his current status is, but you know that definitely gonna hurt their run attack if he's out for any particular amount of time. So you know Seahawks may be trending down a little bit, and I think Houston definitely is trending down at, at least after this week. You know, given that loss to to Denver, probably probably the most inexplicable loss of the of the past weekend, but uh, you know. They the one thing they got going for them is that they're still in control of their division. Although Tennessee is looking good right now, you know, uh, you know, what do you think about the Texans overall and, and where they stand? Just a, a huge opportunity lost, and if they, let's say, somehow don't make the playoffs or somehow are just a wild card team, they can look back at that loss to the Broncos and be like, "That's the one." I mean, yeah, and an inexplicable loss, like you said, Kyle. Uh, that's a perfect way to summarize it. I mean, it was just unbelievable when you look at that score. I remember just seeing the ticker like twenty four is thirty one. 
30. It's just like, it was like, I, I don't know, some kind of game show. Like the points are just going up and up and up. And you're like, what, what's happening with the Texans? Is Deshaun Watson like injured? Do they lose a bunch of players? And this is just turned into a wreck, but they just laid an egg. I mean, just an absolute egg. And they were in complete control of their destiny. And now they're probably going to need a little bit of help. And, they have to play the Titans twice. If the Titans win both of those matchups, I, I mean, I think theoretically the Texans could be completely out of the playoffs altogether. And that would be just unbelievable given that just a week ago or two weeks ago when they played the Patriots, it was like, this is a done deal. The Texans are probably going to get a first round bye. Yeah. Those two in, in the season, uh, week 17 in Houston. They play this week in Tennessee, Nashville. Both are eight and five, and those so those uh those Titans are. And don't be surprised if uh, that Week Seventeen game gets flexed to Sunday night. That might be winner gets in, loser out. Yeah. So right now the Texans are the fourth seed in the AFC. Titans are the seventh seed. Like I said, they have identical records. So. Titans can go ahead and slip right into that playoff spot and have the advantage, you know, head to head with a win this week. So that's that makes this week a big, big game as well. So that, you know, it, Texas are Texas are playing playing uh, you know, playing pretty loose with it right now. They like like you said last week was just a bad loss, and you know, but it it, it definitely makes things more intriguing. In the AFC, and, and like they they still in control Houston, but they have to win this week, I think, to to really be in control going forward. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the what's going to really decide this thing are those two games because if one or the other wins both, it, it's it pretty it can potentially eliminate the other team altogether from the playoffs, given that the Bills can continue to win and the Steelers, and both of them are already in the playoff spots of the wild card. So you're talking about two losses potentially uh, for either team. Uh, these games are going to be huge. Obviously, you got to try to get a split at worst if you're the Texans or the Titans, and then uh, it's about winning whatever remaining games they are, that one leftover game that they have. Yes, and – Looking at uh, let's get back to the rankings, and you know, as we get out of the five, we look at the the top uh top ten, the rest of the top ten. You got the Patriots at six, Green Bay at seven, Kansas City at eight, the Buffalo Bills at nine, and the Vikings at ten. Uh, definitely already from looking at last week, you probably look at some. Some shaking up there. The Patriots, you know, been a tough couple of recent weeks. They've been some tough weeks for them. They had the uh, the loss to uh, you know Baltimore. They had the loss, uh, of course, this past Houston. Well, yeah, lost to Houston and the loss this past week uh, to the Chiefs. And the Chiefs, you know, really asserted themselves again when they were looking at having some questions in recent in recent times. But, uh, you know, they, uh, you know, the Patriots, much like uh, Seattle, 
you know, seem to have a lot of questions on offense, questions of where are they going to produce things. And they have a quarterback in Brady who is, you know, starting to show his age more so than ever. And, you know, they just, you know, looking at the the last uh, several weeks with them, they put up 33 – you know, since they beat the Jets 33-0 back on October 21st, they've, uh, you know, they they kind of struggled against the Browns. They lost to the Ravens, like you said. They barely beat the Eagles, barely beat the Cowboys, uh, lost to the Texans, and, and now lost to the Chiefs, a rare losing streak for them. They get to feast on the Bengals this week, which is going to help them a lot. But they got the Bills. Uh, you know who's gonna who's gonna be fighting for something on the on the uh, the week to follow. Um, they have the Dolphins to end the season, which you know helps them out as well. But uh, you know nothing nothing easy is coming for the Patriots. It looks like going forward. Yeah, they're uh, they're very similar to Seattle, like you said. They've got to control the game. And they maybe need to do it more so than Seattle because at least Russell Wilson can really create using his arms and legs. Uh, you know, he's just an all-around uh, dynamic player. Tom Brady is still a guy that can put it on you if you get open. But a lot of their guys aren't getting open, and uh, he doesn't have quite that ability to really be accurate enough that it opens up everything for everybody and improves everybody to another level he needs those guys to play well on the outside that he's throwing to as well as his offensive line to block and his running backs to run Uh, he can't carry the team like he used to do and he's gotten just so little help really from every other asset I mean the offensive line is is not very good I mean maybe they go through stretches of good but he's getting a lot of pressure a lot of hits the running backs aren't getting much of a chance because they're getting in too uh, too big of a deficit, and the receivers just aren't making any plays on the outside whatsoever. And it's just uh, it's amazing to kind of see how the Patriots they are getting to the end of their run, and it's kind of one of those classic things across sports. I mean, we've seen it with NBA teams and uh, you know baseball teams with everybody when it's like that quintessential dynasty is becoming old they're still dangerous but they are really uh exposed and it's going to be a team that can really put points up on the board as well as play solid enough defense because these patriots are going to still find a way to put uh, enough of a pressure where even if they're down by a few scores like we saw in kansas city that game wasn't over until the absolute end they just continued to find a way to stop the Chiefs offense and give their just beleaguered offense a shot they just couldn't come through when they normally do but maybe that's an uh, aberration and not a trend because uh, you never know what's going to happen with the Patriots Uh, they find a way to get things done but if you can put up a lot of points and find a way to execute that wherever you play the Patriots you're probably going to be in a position to win as long as your defense can just find a way to shut the door you think they are resigned to uh, getting underhanded, advanced uh, footage on uh, Cincinnati? Do you think they, they, you think they really did that? 
you know, for me, it's it's a little difficult. You know, I I'm sure the Patriots, if they try to cheat, if let's say every team in the league is trying to gain an advantage whenever they can, I'm sure the Patriots would be the best at it because they're the best at everything. So I don't know how much of it is them going out there and cheating like we were seeing with the Astros where they were just blatantly cheating all the time in baseball. I don't think it's quite that level with the Patriots. I think everyone's doing kind of the same thing, but everyone likes to rat on the Patriots because they're so much better than everybody. I don't know, though. I I haven't uh, done a lot of looking into that story because I don't know how you're going to really prove either way. And we saw with Spygate, Deflategate, I mean – there was just so many odd pieces of evidence and uh, a lot of it was very vague and you didn't know really how much of it is impactful and significant. So I'm sure the Patriots are always trying to gain an advantage. I would think every team is trying to do so. And I don't know if they necessarily go, you know, full body over the line, but they can push the line for sure. Yeah. I'm with you for the most part on that one. I think, I think they're still pushing up to the line. I don't think they have any much reason to out and out cheat at this point, especially knowing that you know most of the league would love to catch them in the lie, you know, and 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 undermine what they've done over the entire course of their run, let alone what they're doing now. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's 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 just one of those things that's sort of catnip for the 24-hour news cycle right now because, you know, it's the Patriots and uh, we're in the hunt uh, for another title and everything. So, you know, we guys, you know, we'll see if anything else pops up with that. But I think I think that's right now just a one-week story. Uh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to agree with you. Probably just a one-week story. I don't know. Uh, again, I don't know how much you can really prove and – you know, you review the tape, who knows? It's just, it's very vague. And like you, uh, anybody and everybody in the NFL wants to get the Patriots. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But uh, I say, looking at this block of the rankings, uh, looking at those AFC teams in particular, like you had Houston at five, New England at six, and Kansas City at eight. You know, how would you rank those teams just among themselves? After what happened last week, I think the Chiefs would be my number one AFC team right now outside of the Ravens. They uh, have quietly been playing really good football, and to see them beat the Patriots in New England with mainly defense, that was pretty impressive. I know the offense did a lot, uh, obviously getting those points, but there was so many times it felt like the game was over, but the Patriots defense came up with a play and stopped Patrick Mahomes and there was even like a, a point in the game where they showed Mahomes giving kind of like a, a rousing speech on everybody, trying to get everybody going. But they, I don't think they scored at, after that speech at all either. I mean, the Patriots just found a way to completely shut down the offense after they got to 24 points. And it came down to uh, Tom Brady and the offense just not being able to do it against that Chiefs defense, which you would think, boy, with how bad that Chiefs defense has looked for a majority of the year. How did that even happen? You would think that even the Patriots would look great against that defense, but they're starting to play better. That offense is going to get better and better the more that they continue to play with each other because 
really all the the big parts haven't played a lot together this season because of injury. They're looking like a team that's going to put it together these last three weeks and be really dangerous in the playoffs. And after them, I would put the Patriots because they're still New England. But uh, anybody else like the Bills, oof, I think that uh, the Bills and Texans have fallen down hard. They might be a tier below those three. Yeah, yeah. I'm still interested to see how the Bills play with, uh, you know, with the Patriots in the in that game upcoming, you know, it, what could, you know, are the Patriots, will they, you know, squash them again or will the Bills show them a little something? Because I think the Bills are still on uh, on track to uh, to make the playoffs. And uh, we're looking at this week, you know, the, like I said, the uh, Patriots had the Bengals, you know, that bit of a cakewalk there and, uh, the Bills have the Steelers on uh, Sunday night. But I think was that a flex game? Yeah, that did get flexed. Yeah, so it looks like it. it looks like it. So that's yeah. Those are two teams that are uh, in the mix in the playoffs. So it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see and interesting to see the Bills and under that side that sort of spotlight and pressure. So if they come out of that game with a win in Pittsburgh, that could be a big uh, momentum booster for them. Going into next weekend, even you know, uh, you know, I think that that's going to be in Foxborough, uh, the Bills and the Patriots next weekend. But uh, yeah, it's it's a lot, lot to be said in the in the AFC. Looking at the playoff rankings, uh, the playoff picture, I should say, as this uh, they got it laid out on NFL.com. The AFC actually they have they actually have eleven teams listed as in the hunt. You know, we go down to the, the teams that are still in the hunt as opposed to only nine teams in the NFC. All year we've been talking about the NFC being the better conference and being the deeper conference. But I think, you know, when you look at the NFC, all the teams are have winning records except for those uh, the Eagles and the Cowboys in the, in the East Division, whereas in the AFC, all those, the only AFC team that's not in the playoffs that has a winning record is the Titans. Right? So it looks like, you know, the depth is there's still a little bit more depth in the NFC, whereas the AFC just is sort of building more on this parity. You know, you know really, we look at the Browns, the Raiders, the Colts, the Broncos, the teams that have listed listed as playoff eligible for the moment. You know, really, you have a hard time thinking any of those teams are gonna uh, get in there. Um, so uh, it's, it's it's interesting just to look at you know teams like the Bills and the Steelers who have you know worked themselves in sort of different ways. The Bills did it with a good start; they got to a quick start. The Steelers, you know, uh, as opposed you know, and the in the other way, did it with a slow start and really a, a build up themselves in the past two months with. With great play, but uh, let's go back to the standings, and uh, you know, I sort of skipping over the Packers at seven and uh, Minnesota at ten. We know, uh, you know, in, in NFC North what they're doing. Uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit more. We'll definitely talk more about the Packers in a minute here when we get to the Bears stuff. But uh, you know, let's keep going through the rest of the the rankings. Our top 
16 that we usually do. Um, you know, we have 11, the Titans. Pittsburgh is at 12. Uh, 13, L.A. Rams you had. 14, the Colts. And I, I sort of I sort of took it upon myself because we didn't we didn't uh, run this until after the Bears beat the Cowboys. I think you had the Cowboys actually at 15 when you gave me the list. So I ended up I ended up actually taking the Cowboys and putting them at 17 where you had the Bears, and I put the Bears at 16, bumped them up into the top the top half of the league because, you know, you know they had, they beat the Cowboys and uh, the Raiders got a buff up to the 15. I figured we'd do that since uh, they had beat the Bears. And, uh, you know, what do you think, what do you think about that list at uh, that, at the end of our top 16? At least? Um. I would put the Raiders still below everybody because they're a sub-500 record. Uh, they've really, even though they beat the Bears, they've really come down to earth, I think, in general, the AFC, because they got whooped hard by the Titans. Uh, watching that game, I was surprised. I mean, it was a back-and-forth 21-21, and then a couple bad plays by the Raiders' offense, and it was over. Um, I, I like how the Cowboys and the Bears – mainly the bears have been, they've been playing lately and overall, I think even though they haven't played anybody that great, when they beat that Cowboys team, they at least showed that they're a team that's I think one of the better still in the uh, NFC. And I think if they played each other now, uh, it would be a completely different story between the bears and the Raiders. Cause the bears actually have found an offensive identity where I feel like the Raiders have regressed where now, I don't know if they have a defensive identity, and I'm starting to wonder if they have just a quarterback issue with the head coach because him and Derek Carr, him being John Gruden, I, I don't think that they're doing quite what they wanted to do uh, like they did earlier in the season. It seems like teams have maybe caught up to them a little bit. And for the Cowboys, the talent is undeniable. They're more talented than the Bears. They're way more talented than the Raiders. I mean – they are just a disappointment. That's their problem. They just can't play big in the big moments. And I remember thinking about the my pick. I went with the Cowboys over the Bears just because I figured the Bears would lay an egg like the Cowboys, but the Cowboys' egg would be smaller. Uh, obviously, it played out differently where the Bears are just looking like a team that they should have looked all year long, while the Cowboys, they're just fading and fading and – I'm wondering about their leadership. I'm wondering about their coaching. To me, they get outcoached almost every single week. This is a team that uh, has fallen on hard times, and it's going to be really interesting to see which team outlimps each other between the Eagles and the Cowboys to the the finish line and win the division because neither of those teams should be in the playoffs. And I'm wondering, how did the Bears even lose to that Eagles team? I mean, they have looked just terrible the last few weeks. Well, that was the game where they they almost had it, you know. They almost had a chance to beat the Eagles at the end, even with that, that right. first half, which you know, some David was, Montgomery dropped the pass. Yeah, and if someone's saying that first half was the worst they've had in in, I think the I think the half against 
the Giants sort of beat ended up beating that out. But up until then, that was like the worst first half they've had ever, maybe. And yeah. still had a chance to beat the Eagles towards the end there, like you said, with the drop with David Montgomery. So it's it's yeah, those are two really garbage teams right now. I'd say right quick, what who would you give the edge to? They like I say they do have a head to head matchup coming up, uh, you know. And this week, I think the you know the Cowboys host the Rams, and uh, it's with the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles. Oh, I believe they're playing. Yeah, to travel to Washington. So as of as of now, you know, you know, and that's not a gimme either. Yeah, now yeah, Reds uh, the 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 Washington team has uh you know, showed some life too. But, uh, you know, if you had to give an edge to one of those teams as far as who, who would make the playoffs, who, who do you think is going to re- represent? Man, not that I feel confident at all. I'm going to stick with the Eagles. I just think the Cowboys are going to continue to shrink. The pressure is mounting, and they know who the, the authoritarian is. It's Jerry Jones. And, I mean, if you're Dak – you know that you're not going anywhere. The Cowboys can't go forward without him. I mean, what are you going to do? They're going to be, you know, trying to trade their up and all their draft picks to go get a quarterback. I mean, it's it, the Cowboys are just stuck in their position until they get a new head coach in there. And I think that they're going to fade away. And even though I don't like Carson Wentz, uh, you know, if Nick Foles somehow came through that door and kind of did that four week run in December that he normally does. I think the Eagles would definitely be in the playoffs, but uh, you know, Doug Peterson, it's been disappointing this year and it maybe not been great since the Super Bowl. but I think he's a better coach than Jason Garrett. They have an easier schedule. I think he's going to just find a way to get it done and get them in there. And for the Cowboys, I mean, come on, how much story, how much better of a storybook ending really in this millennium and towards the end of, last uh, of the 90s where they come up so close but fall so short yeah and, and this this team this year with as far as Dallas goes it seems to be even more beyond repair than some of their teams that they've had that have underperformed in recent years you know they've had a, some team that you know didn't look that had winning records, but you still didn't expect much of them going into the playoffs. But this team just seems to have really tuned out uh, Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett seems to have tuned out everyone. And, yeah. you know, the way that he's looking on the sidelines, especially at points uh, during the Bears game, just seemed like he wanted to be anywhere else but on that sideline. And, yes, yeah, Dallas just – they don't – they I mean, really... Dallas. They made the uh, they made the Bears look like a top ten team. If we were doing the rankings, if you had not seen any football until last week, we'd be talking about the Bears as top five team with how they looked against the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of the top ten teams, like this, this is my last question in regards to the rankings. You know, looking at the only teams that probably could make the top ten who aren't in the top ten now would probably be 11 the, through 13, the Titans, Steelers, and Rams. Out of those teams, 
who do, who do you think who do you think has the best uh outlook going in uh you know going into these last couple weeks and in, into the playoffs? Yeah, without going through their schedule for the final three games, just kind of looking at them top to bottom. I think the Steelers kind of set the bar between those three teams. They're going to probably be the most consistent. They got a really solid and nice defense. They do, uh, you know, smart offense. They just don't have a ton of talent at quarterback. I would say the Titans and Rams are more talented at the quarterback position, but neither of those teams have been consistent. They've been so up and down. But without a doubt, if you just look at recency bias, I would put the Steelers below the Titans and Rams. Not that the Steelers have done anything wrong, but how impressive both the Rams and Titans have looked. I mean, they have looked like top 10 teams. Uh, You know, Ryan Tannehill has really sparked that offense of the Titans, and they play just complimentary football all the way around with a good run game, play strong in the trenches, good defense, keeps you in games, and can shut the door with a lead. The same thing with the Rams. The Rams' defense has been playing extremely well with Aaron Donald, even though uh, it has been pretty all year long. But the trade of Jalen Ramsey has really solidified their defense. And now that they're running the football with Todd Gurley and it's less on Jared Goff, he's going back to being more of a field general or game manager. It's starting to look like the Rams of old. So, you know, maybe the Rams, to answer your question, Kyle, because they were in the Super Bowl last year. And it looks like they've kind of found that magic. But, uh, you know, all three of those teams, it, it's hard to look down on any of them. And even though it sounds like maybe I'm looking down on the Steelers the most, that's just because I don't believe in the Duck as much as I believe in the others. <laughs> yeah. Duck Hodges, is, he, he seems like a cult hero maybe for Western Pennsylvania, but I don't know how, how much he's going to be ready for prime time. But you look at everything else, though, coaching, all the other positions. I mean, they can compete with any of those three teams, and they're probably going to be better at it and more consistent. But can Duck make enough of the throws that we've seen Tannehill make and obviously Jared Goff? Yeah, Tannehill's been very impressive in the last few weeks. I like that Titans team. I like Henry. as He's probably, when you look across those three teams, He's probably he's the most dangerous offensive weapon on those because dangerously consistent offensive weapon on those teams, and um, you know the Titans are a team that can get they can get down and dirty with you with their defense. So I I like them. If, if I think especially if they get the win this week, they're at home against the Texans. They put themselves in position to win that division. So I would I would probably edge a little bit more to, to uh, Tennessee. But I, I think, you know, like you said, the Rams just they, – they probably lost one too – maybe just one too many games, and they put themselves in a tough position given that, you know, you have those two teams in front of them in their division plus the uh, the other teams that are still in the hunt for the wild card. It's, 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 it's going to be tough for them, especially given that this week they got a uh, – like you say the Rams who, – who they – Going against this week, the Cowboys, who are still fighting for something, they like I say, you know, we've gone over all their their issues, but they're still fighting for something, and they're still and they're going to be at home this week. Boy, imagine if the Cowboys lose that game. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, they yeah they may have Urban Meyer up there, you know, signing a contract. Yeah, 
don't be surprised if he's in a booth. Yeah, if <laughs> he might be. Yeah, he might be ready right there. But that, that that's going to be a challenge, I think, for the Rams at least. But you know, uh, I like say the team. I, I like the like say they they've all done well and they've all shown themselves to be playoff worthy in recent weeks. But I'll probably think that those Titans may be the it may be the best bet to be in your top ten. Uh, at the at the end of the month. Yeah, I think uh the Titans have impressed me as well. I liked I thought they were gonna be a solid team coming into the year and they were just so disappointing with Marcus Mariota. Ryan Tannehill, I mean, I always kind of felt that he was a solid quarterback when he stays healthy. He just can't stay healthy. We're seeing him stay healthy and he's he's been solid and boy, they do everything the right way good coaching, good everything else, maybe nothing great, but they have just no weaknesses. And that hit that he did on that return might be that might be one of the best hits I've seen a quarterback ever make. Yeah. And he's an athlete. That's I think what is exciting if you're a Titans fan because he can run a little bit, he can definitely throw it downfield. I mean, you got he has no real limitations as a quarterback, and if you get him rolling with a, a Derrick Henry, that seems like a backfield that scares a lot of teams. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So that's uh, we've gone through the top sixteen. That's what we usually just just rank. But uh, Ryan was particularly ambitious on the listings this week, and he he went through the whole league. So. You know, really, like I say, outside of the Cowboys at 17, there's really no other playoff contenders. But uh, if you want to look at those listings in, in completion, you know, feel free to check them out on WeAreRegalRadio.com. And uh, they're right, right up there to look at right now. And, um, yeah, we're, we're actually going to transfer our attentions and transition over to the Bears and preview his Bears and Packers game right quick uh, before we head out. But, uh, you know, we, uh, yeah, we'll take it, take it there right after this. This is all 32 podcast transitioning over to the bear necessities, giving you what you need. You know, we are reading radio.com war on anchor. How means rivals the best. Just finished the all 32 of through the visage of our power rankings uh, provided to us so expertly by Ryan Bukovetsky here, who's with me. This is Kyle Means, editorial director, we are radio.com. And uh, yeah, we just uh, we, we're transitioning from the all 32 and the, the playoff rank, the playoff and the power rankings, you know, seeing what's going on there to the specifically the bears and the Packers right now. Uh, you know, the NFC North still up in the air. 
with some things in the playoffs. We didn't talk uh, much about uh, Minnesota as well in that last segment, but uh, Minnesota is hanging in there, and they look to be – right now they're the sixth seed because of how the playoffs are and everything. You know, they're really you no know, better than that. You can uh, – they're better than the Cowboys at least as far as the teams that are in the playoffs right now. But the Cowboys, because they're a division leader, get the fourth seed right now in the NFC, which would have them host in Seattle in the first round. And the Vikings uh, would right now travel to the Saints if the playoffs were, um, you know, if they started this week. Packers, meanwhile, are the number two seed, well, which would be big for them. And um, But this week they're hosting uh, the Bears at home, of course, the the 200th match ever between them, the already established as the longest, the most historic uh, rivalry in in the NFL, and uh, this is uh, another game where just like the first, you no, know, the first week there was a lot of a uh, lot of uh, storylines to it and a lot of uh, weight to it because both teams were trying to prove themselves in a certain way as the season started. It ended up being a very anticlimactic game that the Packers sort of won easily because the Bears offense really didn't show up at all, something that we unfortunately uh, became uh, used to seeing over the first half of the season. But the Bears have picked things back up in in recent weeks. They've won three out of the last four games. They've uh, surprisingly kept themselves in the playoff race, and they just had really altogether their best performance of the season uh, this past Thursday, whooping on those Dallas Cowboys. So as we look at the Bears and the and the Packers in this latest uh, you no know, clash of the rivalry, you know what are we to see here? What are we going to look at? And, you know, what type of game is this going to be compared to that week one clash? And, uh, you know, who you know who's really going to make a statement this week as opposed as as in regards to, you know, who is the better team and who is the more the, the better team right now? I should say the better team overall, of course, has been the Packers. But are they really that much better than the Bears? And I put I put that over to you, Ryan. What do you think? Well, I think Packers are still uh, the better team, but they've been kind of floundering a little bit of late. Uh, they didn't look great against Washington. They obviously looked terrible against the 49ers. And the Bears have, even though it's against much uh, significantly lower competition, they have looked much better as a team and I think the big thing right away in this game is the Bears have seemingly found a little bit of an offensive identity and it looks a lot more like last season more this uh you know type of system that Matt Nagy wants to run you got Trubisky running more often that's probably one of the big things to the offensive identity he's being more of a threat down after down to make some kind of positive play and to get defenses off balance which is and the reshuffling of the offensive line has allowed for the run game to pick up a little bit. It's still not great, but you're seeing Dave Montgomery actually hit some holes versus hitting a defender right when he gets the ball. And that's been a big thing for getting a little balance and their offense. 
to be more uh, susceptible too, because the play action has gotten more. Uh, Trubisky has been on the move a lot more uh, often and consistently, which helps him because he likes throwing on the move. He uh, continues to impress when you know it, the game is on the line, pressure situations or big situations. He seemingly comes through in a lot of those, and we're hearing stories of how saw how he enjoys those moments, how that makes him better. So maybe these are positive uh, signs moving forward, but it all comes down to really this weekend because. You know, uh, to me, this is where Trubisky can can maybe start changing his story or the storyline that has been probably his career to this point, where it's been a whole lot of up and down. And you're talking about a team that they need their quarterback to play well. It's been obvious when Trubisky has played well, this whole thing works. When he doesn't play well, there's just not enough of uh, the offensive side of the ball that can contribute and defense isn't great enough to just completely win game after game without an offense. So you need Trubisky to play well. And this is on the road where he's traditionally in his career. He's played significantly better at home versus on the road. He struggles there a lot more than he does at Soldier Field. So you've got to step up your game in that aspect. And then you're playing a team that he's not necessarily played great against. He's lost a lot of games against the Packers. And uh, on top of that, too, the season rides on this. Uh, they have no shot of making the playoffs and everything. Uh, when you talk about the Chiefs and the Vikings game, all that is going to be for nothing if, uh, if they don't win this weekend. The only chance that they have to continue to fight for the playoffs is if they win this week. So this is a game where you need your quarterback to play well. If, if it was Kirk Cousins and the Vikings that we were doing this podcast about, we'd be saying the same thing. Kirk, you have to show up in this game. Otherwise, we're not going to win, you know, across the league. This is a type of game where your quarterback, you're hoping that he can be the difference because if he's not, then you're probably going to lose this game. And if you lose this game because Mitch plays poorly, I mean, that just again speaks to his up and down nature. Yeah, definitely. And it, it, it seems to be, we, we talk about how much the games hinge on each quarterback that seems to be a common thread when you look at the Bears, the Vikings, and the and the Packers. Vikings, by the way, uh, travel to the Chargers uh, this uh, this Sunday, and the Chargers have wins against the Bears and the Packers this this year. So uh, keep an eye on that one. Uh, definitely NFC North watchers. But uh, going back to the Bears and the Packers. Now, you talk about how important the quarterback can be for the Bears, and you would think that's the case for the Packers too. But really, we haven't seen Aaron Rodgers do anything that spectacular since that uh, that Oakland game in October where he was, he was vintage Aaron Rodgers there, had five touchdowns and 429 yards. But he's had some... You know, he's had some he, – he's been pretty average since then. And the Packers, looking at that, their efforts since then, they lost to the Chiefs. They lost to the Chargers. They uh, beat the Pat Panthers by eight, lost big to the 49ers, uh, had a, you know, that a, bit, a decent game against the Giants. And uh, 
You know, Rodgers did have four touchdowns in that one as well, but it was the Giants. And um, yeah, going back to the schedule, and they uh, like I say, they barely no didn't really have a, a that great of a game against Washington, but they did beat them twenty to fifteen last week. But what do you think? What what really has been powering the Packers through this through this uh, stretch in your mind, Ryan? What what do you think has been keeping them afloat? I think it's probably been Aaron Rodgers, to be honest. Uh, he's such a great leader, and he's done enough to keep his team in the game. Um, they're they're a team that you know they can any given Sunday they can look like a Super Bowl contender, if not the favorite. But when that defense isn't getting after the quarterback, they can be a little susceptible to plays downfield and and losing control of the passing game. And sometimes they've struggled to stop the run, which has been kind of surprising. And then you look at offensively, there's been much more of a commitment to the run game, and probably for good reason. But the problem with the pass game has been finding a guy besides Devontae Adams that can really step up consistently. It's usually been a a combination of Jimmy Graham and Montez Valdez-Scantling, but when those two are kind of up and down throughout the year. And if Devontae Adams, who's been injured a lot, and then the fact that teams are trying to take him away and the run game has been solid, but not, not particularly distinguishable as one of the great run games of the league, they just seem to be missing, uh, whether it's playmakers on offense or playmakers on defense, they just don't have a, an ultimate supporting cast around Aaron Rodgers. I think it's better than what it's been the last few years, especially under Mike McCarthy, but there's still a lot of work to be done in Green Bay to build that thing up to a winner. And for them, though, they still have time to kind of put uh, something together, but where the Bears have kind of progressed in finding an offensive identity, I think the Packers have kind of regressed because they were really led by that run game early on the season. We remember that game against the Cowboys where they just ran all over them. And now they're not doing that as much. And the pass game has just always kind of been up and down this whole year. Depending on the opponent, they can really light you up. Or uh, they just seemingly can't get it going. Like against Washington, you figure, man, Mitchell Trubisky got three touchdowns in one quarter against them. You would think Aaron Rodgers would be able to light them up, but... For whatever reason, that pass game has just been so up and down. I don't know if it's because of the new offense and guys are still getting used to it, but probably the biggest thing is is there's not another weapon outside of Devontae Adams that's consistently showing up. Yeah, well, uh, Aaron Jones had he did show up in this in this red in the Washington game, uh, you know, really, and they really needed him. Uh, he had uh, 134 yards rushing on 16 carries and a touchdown and uh, 58 yards receiving on six receptions led the team in both of those, uh, both of those stats. And um, you look at Rodgers, Rodgers only had 195 yards, 18 to 28 completions and a touchdown. Didn't turn the ball over though, but uh, they, they had a quick start, 14 points in the first quarter. And uh, only eked out two field goals in the third and fourth quarter to uh, to take that game. So when you look at the when you look at the Bears, the Bears for a lot of the season have had issues with starts. 
uh, I wonder if, if that's going to play an impact, especially given how, uh, you know, you, you'd want to do something in Lambeau to quiet that crowd down and take control of the energy of, of that stadium pretty early. Uh, you no, know, the you no, know, the Bears. Fortunately, they they had a had a rough first drive against Dallas, but they really bounced. One that was one of the more impressive things to me about the game that that Dallas game, the way that they came right back and punched Dallas in the nose. They got over that turnover too, that early turnover that Trubisky had. It really wasn't anything that really phased them. And Dallas, given how weak their backbone has sure to been. They they were by the time the third quarter came and the Bears were just running right right past them and uh, you know they had those what thirty one straight points that they scored there really was no uh, opposition then and you could feel that it was going to be the Bears game so I was just you know just looking at that sort of thing with the Bears and and the Packers you know and it could be easy for the Packers to get in the Bears head I think a little bit too easy at times you know what what do you think about that sort of belief that, you know, these are two teams that may, both teams may need to uh, to start early and, and, and score often in this game. You know, what do you think the chances are that that's going to factor into who wins the game? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think both sides want to start fast. If you're the Bears, it's a hostile environment. It's on the road. You don't. You've seen how difficult it can be for this team to get going when they don't start off well. But at the same time, too, we're kind of used to them starting off slow, and I'm sure they are in a way. So maybe it's not as big of a deal. And you kind of go with the old adage where you want to just keep this game close going into the fourth quarter, being on the road, and then try to steal it late. But for the Packers, I think it's just as important to start fast because they just started so slow the last few weeks. And we don't really remember the last time we've seen the Packers just kind of explode. And they've been a lot more susceptible to losing at home this year. They've trailed at times. They've lost games. Lambeau is traditionally a really tough place to beat Aaron Rodgers. And he doesn't lose many games there. So for whatever reason, it's not been that type of season, and I think that they want to start equally as fast to just kind of take the pressure off and get going and not have to deal with potentially being down points. And the later the game goes, you have more and more of that pressure building up where maybe it comes down to a few mistakes and you push the Bears over the top with a victory. And you don't want to be in that position if you're Green Bay. Uh, For both teams, the start is going to be big. I don't think it necessarily – is going to uh, just control who wins the game. Because for the Bears, if they don't start off fast, that defense has routinely shown that they're going to keep them in the ball game. And I think that that's going to be the case, that even if the Packers have a couple touchdown lead, let's say, it's going to feel over, but it's not going to be over based on the time and based on the amount of stops that the Bears defense will get. For uh, the Packers, though, if they fall behind that Bears offense – that's when you start really uh, getting into trouble because Khalil Mack and if Team Hicks comes back and plays, and then you have the rest of those uh, other guys coming in and Chuck Pagano put together maybe a few blitz packages for Aaron Rodgers, you don't want them to pin their ears and start coming after you because that's going to be potentially game over at that point. Yeah, yeah. Looking at uh, 
you know, you, you talk about Pagano and the defense and, you know, uh, I, I think, you know, what do you think about the challenges that may come against Jones in particular, given his multi-dimension ability to make plays? Yeah, especially because you're going to be out. Roquan Smith, uh, Danny Trevathan has a shot of playing, but I would think it's probably unlikely that he will. Uh, Nick Kwiatkowski is really solid on the run, and it's not that he's bad against the pass. It's just very limited athletically so that he potentially can struggle covering a, a fast back, especially for a long amount of time. And Kevin Pierre-Lewis, he's really athletic and a guy that has played extremely well when he's been on the field, but this is going up against Aaron Rodgers, and he's a guy that he can study you and figure out some weaknesses a lot faster than other people. And, you know, if he sees something in Kevin Pierre-Lewis's game that he can take advantage of, I wouldn't be surprised if you see maybe this inside linebacking crew struggling a little bit to cover back out of the backfield or maybe the tight end coming across the middle. But overall, uh, this Bears defense just seemingly has found a way to answer the call every time. Even when it's not been pretty, they've kept uh, this team in the game. And there's been, what, one blowout with the Saints? And even that game was close going into the half. So it's it's not been a year where a lot of games have gotten away from the Bears defense. And I think that they're going to come in with the idea of, Let's shut down this run game because this team is fueled by their run game. When Aaron Jones is going off, the Packers' offense is playing much better. So that's kind of similar to Minnesota. and They've done a good job against teams that are run first and trying to take that away and force you to beat us with uh, the pass. And definitely the Packers can beat you with the passing game because of Aaron Rodgers. But Chuck Pagano and that defense has played uh, Aaron Rodgers enough where I think that they can put together a good game plan where they're going to keep him relatively low scoring and it's going to be winnable for this Bears offense but no mistake about it if this Bears offense doesn't put up points you can forget about it this team needs their offense to put up points it makes the defense better it makes the offense better it makes everything work when they uh, have to play from behind that's when it can get really ugly yeah definitely it I think more more so than anything Trubisky, you want Trubisky to play ahead and play with the confidence that he has when they, when he's playing with a lead. So, you know, a, a lot a lot can be taken from the Dallas game again, where you had a, a you had a, a team with one of the best offenses in the league, a team with a great runner, you know, good weapon, you know, quarterback who can who can do things, you know, in the pocket and out to, out the pocket. And you know the Bears played confidently against him, and uh, and Prescott and they they Elliott didn't do too much. He was rather contained. So you know you you feel if you can do have that sort of effort against that Dallas team, that they can do it again against uh, Green Bay. And and when you look at that first week too, Green Bay really uh, at we look at the beginning of that opener they was. They were having a hell of a time simply keeping the Bears out of uh, out of uh, Aaron Rodgers' face and out, out of uh, keeping them off of him in the pocket. You know the things. You know they were able to make a couple plays during the game that uh, that uh, that allowed him to get some space and he had the one touchdown pass. But they didn't do much in that game, so was, I don't think the, there's going to be much of an intimidation factor there at all. 
you look at the fact that uh you know uh Akeem Hicks is going to be back. I think just the energy there that he's going to provide is, on that line is going to be is going to do a lot to motivate the Bears and keep them uh really you know really up in a in 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 the energy sort of way. So it's definitely a lot of a lot of things that you know we talk about the injuries in the in the linebacking core. That's going to be definitely something where those backups are you know are going to have to step up. But uh, you know there's a lot that the Bears have going forward uh, coming into this game as well. Any other matchups in particular that that you're looking forward to seeing that you think are going to uh, play a role in deciding this game? Um, well, obviously what they do with Akeem Hicks and Cleo Mack, because that's been a big storyline all year long is no one's really stepped up opposite Cleo Mack and being that consistent pass rushing threat in the past, uh, last season, Akeem Hicks and Cleo Mack were so dominant at the line of scrimmage that it opened everything up for everybody behind them, the secondary, the linebackers. I mean, it made that thing go because you can't triple and double team everybody because then you'll have nobody else to block. So uh, you gotta you got to find a way to slow both of them down when they're rolling. And if they get hot in this game where Akeem Hicks is playing like a madman that we've normally seen him play like and Khalil Mack is doing his all-out effort thing, the Packers going to really struggle, I think, to block uh, this Bears team and come up with a strategy because you're going to kind of have to look at last year's tape. But last year's tape was with Vic Fangio and not Chuck Pagano. And it's a lot different to look at what Pagano's might do with Akeem Hicks. And that's where the Bears maybe have an ace up their sleeve because they can uh, kind of see what the tendencies they had with Akeem Hicks when he was playing under this system and maybe try to fudge the numbers a little bit and throw the Packers off balance. Yeah, you got to feel that Khalil is probably going to – is probably feeling as good as anyone that Akeem is going to be back this week because, you know, we've seen some of the footage and uh, some of the sort of people like Anthony Heron has, has made uh, the particular uh, notice of this that, you know, Mac has been getting like three guys on him at times you know, not only double, but triple team at times. And it's, you know, that that's part of the reason why, you know, some people have started to come on Mac and be like, well, where's the sacks this year? Well, it's going to be hard for him to get sacks when he's getting dealt like that and defense and offenses are focusing on him with their blocking schemes like that. So, you know, Akeem, given that the ability that he has to, to wreck shop in the middle of a – of an offensive line that's, you know, that's going to have to make an impact on the way that teams deal with Khalil and open up some things from him coming from the outside. Yeah. I mean, it changes the game completely because you can't triple team Mac at all anymore. Cause you might have to double team Akeem Hicks. And if you got to chip up, if you have a back and a tight end, in on protection, that's seven guys. If you put four on two players, I mean, you're talking about a ton of one-on-ones across the board with almost nobody running out to catch a pass, and they're dropping back potentially seven guys. Yeah, and, and think about the impact that that could have on on Green Bay's offense. You're talking about, 
you know, this isn't a team that has those typical tight ends, the threat that they've had in past years. You know, you, you, you're talking about the team that has been relying so much on Jones to not only run the ball, but catch the ball as well. He may have to pick up some blocks at, at, at certain points too during the game in order to keep, uh, you know, Rogers off his feet on his feet, you know, so there's, there's going to be some pressure at times, I think for green Bay. And if the bears can ramp that up, you know, that's going to do a lot to, uh, to put the game in their favor. Yeah. And good point on Aaron Jones. Uh, if you, that's a potentially a way to defend him. If you're bringing enough pressure, especially with just four, you know, he's going to have to stay in and at least chip, and that throws out the timing of routes. It makes him maybe less effective or gives your linebacker, like let's say Nick Kwiatkowski, that extra half second to get up and cover a guy because he has to spend that half second chipping back. Uh, it could be huge. And when you take away weapons from Aaron Rodgers, you force him into throwing into tight windows, and he doesn't like doing that. He likes making safe, uh, smart throws. He'll attack defenses in tight windows if he has to, but uh, at least if you're bringing pressure and putting him on the ground a lot, you could potentially, uh, you know, create some turnovers. And if they get that going, watch out. Yeah. In in the end, what do you, what do you think are was all you know everything included? What do you think are the Bears' eyes this week? This is this is a big game. Not only for the Bears, of course, but I think it's a big game for the Packers too. Because if no they doubt. they if, can't fall behind, especially now that they have the number two spot, yeah, you don't want to lose that. And they have almost no shot at number one unless uh, enough tie breaks happen, or maybe enough teams lose. But really, the best they can do is number two, and they control their destiny if they just win out. And uh, that's huge for them. And you're right with the Bears, obviously. They need this game. Otherwise, playoff hope's completely done. Uh, the odds, you know, I, I like the Packers in this game, I think, overall, just because I don't have enough equity and trust built in Mitch to believe that he's going to put the Bears over the top, and he needs to be great. I mean, he's got to have basically the same type of game he's had the last two weeks against the Lions and the Cowboys. I mean, they got to be great numbers, and... It doesn't have to be, you know, 300 yards passing, but he's got to make plays. And that usually means some with his legs, some with his arm. And we saw in week one, the Packers did a great job of taking away his legs. And it gave a blueprint for the league to stop the Bears' offense. What does Matt Nagy and the rest of this uh, offense have as a counter to what they've seen the Packers do and what they did to slow them down week one? And if he has a good game, uh, yeah, they can definitely uh, play the uh, you know the underdog because Akeem Hicks coming back that could be an effect that we just we can't really see the force from the tree kind of thing because he he could be a, a defensive MVP potentially on that Sunday. Bears are looking uh, looking at the line. Most people are putting up the Bears at a minus four. They're giving the Bears four points, I should say. Uh, uh, Green Bay is a favorite at four, uh, you know, getting four points. I, w- I would go with the Bears. I would say Green Bay probably wins, but it's – I would – they will probably – I would say the the Green Bay will win by three or less. I think this is going to be – this is going to be a tight one. 
sorry, Kyle. And when you do the odds, uh, anytime you're at home, you get a field goal. Yeah. So if you take away a field goal, you're looking at basically a one point game. That's really a pick em. That's how they see it. Yeah. Yeah. So the, it did, the, uh, I have one site I saw the Vegas Insider. They had the game open at seven, but now it's down to about four, four and a half, depending on who you look at. So you know, the, the Bears are getting some benefit of the doubt here. And I think the Packers, given their recent, some of their recent efforts, especially last week, you know, people are seeing that this could be a tight game. And I would, I would, I'll be willing to go along that route too. Like you, though, I don't think that the Bears have enough uh, to beat Green Bay. But I, like I said, I think they're going to play close. And, you know, I, I think a, a good showing for them, I think it does do a lot to keep this team mentally in a, in a good place, even going into an offseason where they, that, you know, they have to feel ends early for them. But, uh, you know, going into next year, if they have if they feel that they can still compete with the likes of Green Bay, I think it's going to mean a lot for this team overall. You know, whoever, you know, no matter who leads it as far as quarterback or whatever, you know, I know a lot of people are scared that that Mitch is gaining confidence and that the team is gaining more confidence in Mitch now. But I think that could be a good thing overall depending on how this season ends and it's, it's not the worst thing at all I think Mitch should be gaining more confidence at this point and if his if his play is re, is reflecting that then that means we're getting better play from him so that should be that should that should be the means to that end it shouldn't be just about getting rid of Mitch especially if he's giving us reasons to go against that yeah, you know, Mitch has been just such a such a polarizing figure, probably for the negative and not the positive. Um, it, we've gone through a lot with him. We've seen him flash the type of stuff that we want to see. We've seen him flash the type of stuff we don't want to see. There was the incident of turning off the TVs where everyone looked at that as kind of like a mental weakness type thing and, you know, he got benched really, uh, you know, ultimately maybe he was hurt, but uh, I, I think even hurt uh, that the bears were trying to send a sign, I think to Mitch. And I think the sign was received and we've seen him improve his play more and more each week. And we keep hearing how he's having more and more uh, practices. I feel like he's just finally at a point where he's like, enough is enough. I'm going to take control of my NFL career. I'm not going to let everybody decide everything for me. I'm going to play the way that I know how. I'm going to go out there and do the things that I know work, and I'm going to just lay it out on the line. And if people say, that's not good enough, well, at least I played my way. And this inner confidence that he's built up is great, and hopefully we see it Sunday because he, if he is really aware of everything that's going on, then he knows that this is an opportunity to completely start changing his story. You don't look at you know, needing the Bears to bring in uh, a bunch of people to compete for a starting job if he closes out this season as strongly as he's gone the last couple weeks. You start having a different opinion about him, and maybe you decide, hey, we got to keep, uh, maybe give him a little uh, competition in camp, but it's not, we don't need necessarily a new starter. And that's a big jump from a couple weeks ago where 
it was like, we need a brand new starter, whether it's draft or trade or free agency, whatever. We need somebody else. So for Mitch, go out there, change your story, give yourself a shot, and then you set yourself up for another big storyline when he plays Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, if he can play well these next couple weeks and close out the season against the Vikings strong, I think maybe in Chicago he can start getting love again, as crazy as that sounds. Exactly, because these are two guys who in different ways he's being compared to week in and week out. You know, our our rival, of course, in Green Bay, he's always compared to – he's going to be compared to him because, you know, we see – we're so familiar with uh, what Aaron Rodgers can do and we know the difference that, like, him has on the franchise. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes, of course, the guy who's picked after him in that same draft, there's always the comparisons of him and, you know, uh, and the, and the Deshaun Foster as well. There's, that's always going to be with him throughout his career. But if he, if he stands, if he stands up against these guys in the next two weeks, like you said, it makes a difference in the overall narrative comparing him to uh, his, to his, uh, his contemporaries and, the overall narrative that is shaping up for him as a starter, as a franchise guy. So I'm wishing the best for him, of course. And I think all real Bears fans are as well. But, uh, you know, it's the, the opportunity is there and, and he's just got to make, make do with it. If he doesn't, then, you know, again, we, we know what is, we, we, we sort of have to draw back to some of our earlier thoughts about the plans for the off season, but, if he does, if he does stand up and and make himself uh, known these next couple of weeks, then we there's a there should be a certain comfort that comes from that as well. And uh, maybe the the only thing that you want to think about in regards to the quarterback position is maybe shoring up that backup and making it so that uh, the Bears aren't left in the position that they were when he had to come out earlier this year, where they was you know. You know, where the only option was Chase Daniel. I don't think we would want that to be the case in 2020. But uh, but uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And and uh, like I said, the one thing I wanted to get into uh, before we ended was that with, uh, with Green Bay, if the if the Bears make Green Bay lose this week too, the that puts a a lot more uh, of a uncertainty into the the NFC North and the playoff. Uh, outlook overall because especially if, if Minnesota beats the Chargers because that will put them both at 10-4 and four, and those two teams will be set up to play on Monday night next week in Minnesota. So that would be a big game that the Bears could make even bigger if they beat uh, Green Bay this week. So look out for that definitely. But uh, that's all out. That's our outlook on, the, on this week's game. It should be a lot of fun. Bears and Packers always fun, and and definitely uh, gonna uh, definitely get our, our blood going, and uh, it was it's good to see that the Bears have something to play for right now, because a month or so ago it didn't look like that was gonna be the case at all, but uh, you know definitely uh, we, we we definitely are motivated to keep going as Bears fans, and uh, hopefully that that energy is extended to the team as they go out on the field in Green Bay this week. But uh, you'll hear more from us coming up next week in reaction to that game 
and everything and reaction to everything that happens in the, in the league this week uh, with all new all 32 coming up and their necessities will have them separated again next week. And um, yeah, definitely more from uh, Ryan coming up, uh, his fourth and goals previewing uh, with some more points of his going into the game. Uh, you'll see that on WeAreRealRadio.com coming up in the next day or two. And uh, the three and out, that'll be coming up after uh, after Sunday's match, of course. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I may even I may even throw out a little something there myself in reaction to the game as well. Not promising anything, but, you know. But uh, they, we'll see how the game plays out, if they, how much – substantial happens, uh, you know, coming from the game. But, uh, yeah, a lot of fun uh, talking to you again, Ryan, man. I also want to shout out before we leave, I want to shout out Allen Robinson, who has been doing great for the Bears this year uh, on the field. He's uh, also been uh, giving props off the field, nominated. uh, He's the Bears nomination for, the uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year Award in the league that was announced today. And uh, he definitely deserves that. He's a guy who's really uh, taken to being a bear. And uh, he's uh, been quoted this week as saying that he wants to be the Bears' all-time leading receiver. And uh, he's definitely getting off to a good start in regards to that. Uh, This year, he's got seven touchdowns, 898 yards. So he's looking at another thousand yard receiving year and uh you know leading the team in touchdowns and he seems to be a guy who uh who Mitch really likes in uh the red zone definitely had two touchdowns last week in that uh Dallas game and Mitch threw some darts at him and, and, and Robinson was able to receive him well. So uh you know definitely uh love seeing Robinson and what he's been doing for the Bears. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on, on Allen Robinson right quick? Uh, great player. Great uh, free agent find by Ryan Pace. Maybe arguably his best free agent signing. And, uh, you know, he's uh, he's hopefully going to continue to just do what he's done all year long and be a factor in this game. He's been a great target for Mitch. Just There's really nothing negative to say about Allen Robinson. He just seems like he's getting better and better. He's a legit number one. I think he's proven that all all year long and really his tenure with the Bears. So, uh, you know, all positive vibes here for Allen Robinson. Hopefully he can go out there and be the difference on Sunday. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's a guy I see like the Bears got him right at the right time coming out of the rookie's contract. He was a guy who was ready to, you know, he had some injury issues, but he was ready to get back, get past that, improve himself. And that's definitely uh, what he's done overall. Uh, you know, not quite at that all-pro level yet, but he, he he maybe can get there in the next couple of years if the Bears figure out, like I said, they figure out their offense in the way that we would like. You know, and if Mitch, you know, if Mitch can – let more go as far as uh you know his 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 throwing ability you know that can that can definitely be a top combination there but uh we'll see how that goes and uh we'll see how this weekend goes but uh definitely thanks y'all for listening uh thank y'all for riding with us uh we are of course 
War on Anchor. That's where you hear us. That's where you feel us. And uh, you know, show uh, rate us on on your social, uh, rate us on your all your podcast platforms. Give us good rating, show us love, and we'll show it right back. Pass pass us along to your friends and family if you want to, you know, recommend some good Bears talk, NFL talk. Also, Dean Davis, of course, some of the best overall sports talk in Chicago. And uh, Ryan is definitely a part of that as well, producing the show and commenting uh, every week with the guys. Uh, Definitely uh, do the same with them, show them love. And, uh, yeah, that's it, man. We'll be back with y'all next week. Ryan Bovesky, this is Kyle Means. Y'all uh, keep building and bear down.